NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! As an adult, don't we all miss spring break? Nothing like taking a week off from all your responsibilities. Well, here's the next best thing for adults, a spring break from house payments. SaveWithConrad.com can help you get rid of all your credit card debt, just like that. We're routinely helping our listeners save five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this, but check this out. No house payments for two months at SaveWithConrad.com. Hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Foley is Pod. And of course, we couldn't do it without the Hall of Famer, the hardcore legend himself, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mick Foley. Mick, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Miss you guys in studio. But although I have done a few podcasts from my mom's house, this is the first episode I'm doing from my old bedroom. Wow. And uh, this is no optical illusion. If it looks like the world's smallest bedroom, it is uh, eight feet. Eight <laughs> feet. I grew up in a sixty-four square foot <laughs> bedroom. And I think when I was ten, we had two extra feet put on, uh, so it became a ten by eight. But it's a it's a tight fit now. But uh, and my brother before this was my dad's office, uh, which became my room when I was probably five or six. Before that, it was <laughs> me and my brother in another 64 square foot room doubled up in bunk beds but hey if you don't know any different you think you haven't made and we definitely did but uh it's cool to be coming at you from the place where uh like the 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 original uh, dude love script was written uh so many of my creative endeavors and a, a couple of naughty things i did that we probably shouldn't be talking about on a family show <laughs> Man, I'm pumped to be here. Of course, we are going to be talking about the hall of fame, but there's so much more to talk about before we talk about your hall of fame experience. Let's talk about your most recent hall of fame experience. <laughs> we got to see you this past Friday induct a longtime friend of yours. Tell us about it. Yeah, that was so much fun. Uh, I know we, we kind of teased that somebody had asked me and I said, we'll reveal it as soon as WWE reveals it, but they never revealed it. And I was I was completely fine with being a, uh, a surprise. I was just I mean I wasn't lying uh, when I talked about how happy I was and how I'd had a like a perpetual smile on my face because I always thought the world of Stacy and uh, had lost touch with her you know for quite a few years hadn't actually seen her since the day after Christmas 2005. Uh, so when that text came through. Uh, these are great photos. I hadn't seen these before. Uh, just speaking of uh, Tori Wilson, Tori was one of those people that I always liked, always said hello, but a lot of the conversations with your colleagues can be in the 20 to 30 second range because you're seeing so many people. I'm talking about even when you're working with them, right? Hey, how's everything good? Good, yeah, yeah. And if you ask somebody, is, is that person a friend of yours? You'd say, oh yeah, sure, but you don't know anything about them. But then Tori and I uh, represented WWE in uh, Shanghai, China, I think for nine or 10 days at the World Special Olympic Games. And we really hit it off. And, uh, you know, you go from being a colleague to being a good friend. And so I was thrilled to have Tori there and I was thrilled to be there. I don't know if it made sense to fans at home, 
but uh, it's just a really nice friendship and I think uh, a deep mutual respect and uh, hopefully that was, look at the three-way hug there oh my goodness that was really cool and I I had a I had an amazing night I really enjoyed it I had my ah look at her she doesn't even look like she's aged a day no right? no she just looked magnificent she had her um uh, her mom and dad, her husband, her three children, and she, uh, I, I really enjoy, liked and appreciated the fact that she stressed her super fan roots. And it's one thing to say you're a super fan, it's another thing to be seen when you're like 14, holding up a sign in the crowd. So she's a, she's just a spectacular person, and I'm so happy that, uh, you know, She's leading a great life and she's, you know, she had a great, uh, uh, you know, family support system. I remember her introducing me to her mom and dad uh, specifically, you know, she wanted me to meet her mom and dad, maybe in 2004. Um, but man, I just thought the world of her. And so I was happy to do that. Just want I wanted to make sure I didn't go long. I want to make sure I didn't make it too much about myself while still injecting a little bit of experience, you know, like when I said that uh, I knew from experience that this is one of the biggest nights uh, of my life. And I, you know, I, I looked over at Tori and I said, I think she would agree with me. And now I get to, you know, be a small part of one of the best nights of Stacy's life. It was a fantastic night, a fantastic hall of fame. Of course they honored a lot of other greats that same night, including Ray Mysterio and Andy Kaufman and, uh, Mr. White. And of course, Mr. Muda, I'm curious though, this was your first time being in an event like this in a little bit, since there's been so much change in recent, yeah, you know, over the last year, did you uh, run into any old friends, see any unexpected faces, anything like that? <laughs> well, there's a lot of new talent there since I was last uh on wwe tv i believe it's been over two years right uh yeah. the undertakers uh and that was raw so uh, this was a smackdown crew um but there were a lot of people i did know um i mean <laughs> look at <laughs> a friend of mine pointed out this is like the happiest he's ever seen kevin owens look uh i <laughs> i've been writing the writing the uh santa letters and the uh doing the videos for Kevin and his kids for probably eight or nine years. Wow. Um, so, you know, it's cool. It's, you know, he's someone I don't see too often, but consider him a, a good friend. And you know what? It's funny to say, I talk about special bond. Like you don't have to ride with someone, room with someone um, to have that bond. And it's such a strange thing that the, <laughs> the Santa letters have done that for me. With with uh, a handful of talent, like like Lacey, Lacey Evans is someone I can count on one hand the number of conversations I've had with her. But I think this is the fourth or fifth year where I've been doing the the letter thing, uh, and so uh, you know we really hit it off. Uh, I reminisced with um, I'm calling her Tough Daria now. <laughs> What's Darius? But usually I know the professional name and not the uh, you know the badass female who was the GM for a while. Uh, oh, oh, Sonia Deville. Yes. Yeah. So when I, I, I saw her as uh, 
when she was Daria, her real name Daria, and she remembered that on the night that she was uh, eliminated that I sent a text message. I sent a message because I saw she was following me on Twitter saying, hey, you got something special. Please don't uh, give up. Please pursue wow. this. And she said, we're like, I, can you give me some advice? And I said, first thing I would do would go to everyone um, who played a role in that show and thank them for the opportunity, either verbally or in writing, and just say that uh, you hope that uh, they will keep you in mind, her in mind, uh, for, a, for something that comes up. And that's exactly what happened. As a matter of fact, if you look at the final episode of Holy Foley, the two people that Noel was training with were Sonia and Bianca Belair. So here's poor Noel. <laughs> She's got bruised ribs. I mean, they even said, you don't have to do this. Like, she was in such incredible pain. And then she's got to pick up Bianca uh, on her shoulders and carry her up the ring. I peeked in just for about 15 seconds on her tryout, and my heart was breaking because I could tell she had hit the wall, and she, but she just kept going. But those were just a few. And then I had a fun, you know, there's a great photo of me and the nature boy, like a really great photo. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> that is a great picture. My goodness. It's so, there were like four photos that we snapped. They're all, you know, I think they're all selfies. I took, uh, we're, I'm the worst bow tie in history. No way am I ever uh, wearing a bow tie when I have a chance to wear a regular tie. Uh, I had a nice... Uh, Meeting. That wasn't your, your funeral tuxedo, was it? No, no, this wasn't the funeral tuxedo. I lost the funeral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. I did tell you the stuff when I was when we did our Stephanie McMahon episode. I did, did tell you the Stephanie McMahon tuxedo story, right? Yes, you did. It does it bear repeating since we're talking Hall of Fame tuxedos. I mean, I why not? Why not? bottom line it anyway it's it's worth retelling anyway uh when stephanie uh before she was a talent she was in um marketing and even when she became an on-air talent for about six months she was in the marketing department so she was just a talent she hung out you know and she didn't have all the backstage duties but she did an extraordinary job in the marketing department so they agreed to bring me and uh I, well i drove there and it, it didn't fly us up because i lived in florida at the time to uh the boardwalk uh boardwalk hotel uh, the disney's boardwalk hotel they put us up in a beautiful two-bedroom suite and all i had to do is go down for about an hour there was an outside like cocktail mixer and do a little schmoozing and stephanie sees me arrive in my tuxedo <laughs> she's so so overdressed and she says mickey you, you gotta be sweltering i am i am but i'm okay i'm okay finally for about 30 minutes Mick, please i'm begging you please take that jacket off I said, are you sure she said yes and i take the jacket off and underneath it it's a mankind shirt with the sleeves oh. chopped oh. off at like two thirds or one third's length and the, the bottom's all jagged and i'm like she's like they're why does like there's no middle ground here. You know, you either get a flannel and sweats or you get in the tuxedo. That's the way I roll. I love it. I love it so much.
<laughs> Listen, this is uh, the, not the first time you've been to the Hall of Fame. I, I guess your first time stepping up to the podium, if you will, was 2004. Uh, we've covered WrestleMania 20 and how you returned in the archives, but we should also mention you were up there that night to induct Don Morocco into the Hall of Fame. Was that 2004 or was that earlier? I don't know. I thought it was 04. I thought it was like 99 or 2000. I, could, I don't know. Uh, we'll have Grillo uh, behind the scenes. That air vent bothering you? I could sit up a little bit. So <laughs> hey, so uh, yeah, you, you went in in two thousand four. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so, yeah. What was yeah, your experience like? Were you shocked that that? I mean, listen, this isn't the first time this past weekend you've been asked to induct someone. What about uh, the first time though? Don well, this Mark? was a situation where they kind of—I don't know if they gave Don a choice. Oh. Which I Felt a little bad at, uh, bad about. I mean, uh, I guess I would be considered firepower, you know, on that <laughs> on that show. And uh, look, you know, like I was so lucky when I got inducted in 2013 that they already had, uh, you know, they had Arnold Schwarzenegger inducting Bruno and Maria Menounos, uh inducting Bob Backlund and uh, Mr. McMahon, Stephanie inducted Trish Stratus, Mr. McMahon inducted Donald Trump. Like there was already a lot of firepower. And so they just said, Mick, you can ask whoever you want. So I asked Terry Funk. I don't think Morocco had that same choice. I, I think you. I foisted upon him um, because of my, uh, you know, my great respect and uh, fascination with the Morocco snooker feud. Um, so I don't know if I was the best guy to be inducting Don Morocco. I considered it a heck of an honor and I tried to do a good job. But back then it was not as nearly as big. Uh, the Hall of Fame was not nearly as big as it became. Right. Especially, I think it peaked, you know, right before the pandemic, before they had to out of necessity, tie it into, uh, uh, you know, the, the SmackDown show. It was just, once they did the two nights, uh, WrestleMania. Two nights then you had to, you had to trim some fat somewhere. And, uh, so the hall of fame became a little bit less. It's still great. It's still important. I still, I love the stage, the leverage stage. I'm so grateful that when I was inducted, it was at MSG and they had such a, a beautiful set. The in-ring thing is great. I mean, you saw the photos just like yes. I did. It looks really good. But uh, going back to what I was saying about it not being quite as big as it would later become, um, when Randy Orton jumped me, I was honored in the ring. They called it a hardcore ceremony in MSG uh, in uh, 2003. They were going to induct me into the WWE Hall of Fame that night. 2003 and I remember Steph giving me a call she didn't want my feelings to be hurt she said Mick we're just concerned you know with uh the hall was still relatively new and most of the people in it were 50s 60s 70s and here I was at you know 30 I guess I was 38 at the time uh in 2000 I think so 38 or 39 and I said no I'm fine with that and they just uh, lined up some uh, hardcore wrestlers and it turned out to be a a good little ceremony, and most importantly, it led to Randy Orton attacking me, splitting my head open like a ripe melon, <laughs> throwing me down a flight of stairs. So that's the way we do things on our way out. You know, you try to make 
the world, if you can't make it a little better place for all mankind, make it better for Randy Orton at least. So by now, you know, that Mick and I have spent a lot of time talking about some of these death matches and some of these bloody wars that he had, but you probably also know that that blood was intentional. You see, he wants to get cut accidentally, but unfortunately a lot of us do it. If you're using a cheap razor, you're getting those nicks, those cuts, that irritation. And I got to tell you, I got pretty annoyed with that whole subscription razor concept a few years ago. I found they just kept stacking up. What I enjoy most about Henson shaving is that it doesn't feel like a gimmick. It feels old school. Seriously, just the actual blade handle itself. Dude, it's metal. It's not some cheap piece of plastic that's going to break on you or frustrate you. This is like, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to last a lifetime, but it feels substantial. It feels like something our grandparents would have used. And at the same time, man, you get a whole pack of these straight razors. Dude, this is old school, but here's what's cool about it. And here's why I believe that you got to meet Henson shaving. They're a family owned aerospace parts manufacturer that's made parts for the international space station and the Mars Rover. And now they're bringing that same technology and engineering to your shaving experience. You see, I've learned that razor blades are like diving boards. The longer the board, the more the wobble, the more the wobble. Well, the more nicks, the more cuts, the more scrapes. You see a bad shave isn't a blade problem. It's an extension problem. So by using aerospace grade CNC machines, Henson makes razors that extend just 0.0013 inches, which is less than the thickness of a human hair. That means a secure and stable blade with a vibration free shave. It's also got a clog free design. You see this razor has built in channels to evacuate the hair and cream, which makes clogging virtually impossible. Seriously, Henson shaving wants the best razor, not the best razor business. Let me explain. There's no plastic. There's no subscriptions. There's no proprietary blades. There's no planned obsolescence. The Henson razor works with standard old school dual age blades, but it gives you that, that new age, that new school tech. I mean, dude, these folks have made stuff for space. You darn right. They can make stuff for your face. And once you own a Henson razor, it's only like three to five bucks a year to replace the blades. I'm a big believer in this. I was overwhelmed with the value. Seriously, you're going to get more blades than you can imagine. In my first shave, I have to admit, I was a little intimidated. I haven't worked with a straight razor like this before, but dude, it was easy and I felt like a badass when it was done. I'm going to tell you, the design is incredible. The durability is awesome. It's super affordable. My buddy Cassio Kid came over to watch the Royal Rumble and I had told him about the razor before and I said, hey man, I got to show this to you. And I showed him the blade. I showed him the razor. It's, it's something you got to see. I recommend it. It's the most manly thing you can do today. It's time to say no to subscriptions and say yes to a razor that will last you a lifetime. Visit hensonshaving.com forward slash Foley to pick the razor for you and use code Foley and you'll get two years worth of blades free with your razor. Just make sure you add them to your cart. That's 100 free blades. When you head to H E N S O N S H A V I N G dot com slash Foley and use the promo code Foley, Hensonshaving.com forward slash Foley. There you go. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, we're hoping to see Randy sooner rather than later. Yeah. Let's talk about your next trip to the Hall of Fame after uh, your Don Morocco experience. You're the first person announced for the 2013 Hall of Fame. 
And uh, the announcement takes place on the 20th anniversary of Raw from Houston. Mm-hmm. This is a big dog on deal. How does this all come together? Man, uh, I was thinking about this today. Uh, I, I caught the red eye from LA. So I'm going without sleep. Um, I don't know if you can tell. I'm trying to bring my A game, but it's difficult, Uncle Conrad. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> Um, and I was just thinking about it while I was driving. I was like, oh, I remember because there was a little bit of a controversy in 2013 that almost uh, derailed or at least uh, greatly affected uh, my attitude and what I was going to say. And what brought me back from that brink was remembering when I was in NXT, not NXT, Impact, uh, and uh, I, rec- I get a 203 text message as WWE mm. asking if they'd mind if, if I would mind if they promote <laughs> my book, which was an impact wrestling book on their show. Uh, you want to promote my book and show this? Yeah, well, Mr. McMahon thinks it's the right thing to do. So at that time, for one year, we had this beautiful uh, condo uh in florida and they actually had like a a movie room so we reserved it for that night and i sat there with my family and the moment i heard michael cole say hey we we, our good friend mick foley has a new book out and they really put it over i made like a little promise to myself i don't think i said it out loud but a promise is still a promise the promise was if i'm ever asked to be in the ww hall of fame i'm going to say absolutely yes with no conditions placed on it. I'm not going to say I need to go last. I'm not going to say I need X amount of time. And then I found myself feeling um, left out. Um, Yeah, USA, I guess, had made the decision, or at least I'd heard they made the decision. Uh, They were going to edit the show, and in order to show Donald Trump's speech, they were going to ixnay the Foley speech. And I let it get to me. yeah, it, it really hurt my feelings to the point where I remember calling up my wife and saying, I don't want anyone from my family coming to the Hall of Fame. I don't want it to be important enough to, to bother me. Um, and then I would like visualize my speech just being, hey, thank you. And like throwing my ring out to the crowd and walking away with the worst Hall of Fame speech ever. And then I remembered that promise I made to myself. And I'd gone, I'd gone on Twitter, I think, and uh, kvetched, I, I guess, probably be a, a, a good term, kind term for it. Uh, but I remembered that promise, and that changed things for me. And I went into uh, uh, Mr. McMahon's office, and uh, Hunter was in there, and Stephanie was in there, and uh, uh, Kevin Dunn. And I just said, look, I'm sorry. It's a great honor to be in here. I'm going to enjoy every moment of it. And what Kevin says, Mick, why didn't you just come to us? You know, and that's what I should have done instead of complaining and taking my case to uh, social media. So uh, do you want me? uh, I mean, I know I'm rambling on because I have to keep going. This is what we're listening Uh for. Yeah, please. I had to make a couple of different, uh, there were a couple caveats. One was that I, I, <laughs> I, I uh, put my family up at a nice hotel within a few blocks of MSG because the rest of the crew was in Hackensack. And I also knew that 
they liked the talent and family and friends who were going to be there in the crowd to be there like four hours early. And so I told talent relations, listen, I've got a son on the autism spectrum. If he has to wait four hours, when I get out there, uh, no one from my family will be there. So they let them come in at their own time. I was worried that I was asking for too many tickets because I think I asked for a total of eight. And they were like, it's okay. Bret Hart asked for 64. I guess, oh, I guess, guess I'm okay. <laughs> Yes, I'm okay. I got like friends from middle and high school coming in uh, from on the Long Island Railroad. Uh, and then um, also uh, Santa Claus, the, the real Santa Claus, who you've seen on uh, some of you may have seen on the uh, this um, I Am Santa Claus uh, DVD. He was a guest and uh, also uh, the great Trina Michaels, because that's also how I roll. And she's a very, a really good friend of mine as well. Well, man, you never know who Mick Foley's friends with. An eclectic, an eclectic group. And do you want to hear the secret to being good friends with an adult film star? I was going to say, this is the first time I've heard Trina Michael's name on our podcast, but yeah, I'm really yeah. glad she's popped up here. Yes. How do you become friends with an adult film star? You just think of what every other person would say, and then you don't say that. Oh, okay. It took me about seven years to earn her trust. Uh, seven years. Man, I know we're not, this program's not about adult film world, but I think when uh, everything you do with your anatomy is on display, especially at the touch of a button, you really wall off who you trust and who you trust with other parts of yourself, you know, your feelings, emotions. And it took about seven years before she even uncrossed her arms around me. And, uh, and I really, I really took great pride in that friendship. And so I knew when I finally earned her trust that it was not something I could ever betray. Uh, and so I wouldn't even think of doing something or saying something offensive or stupid. Well, um, I assume that the lovely Mrs. Foley did attend. Did she sit right next to Trina or what was the seating? <laughs> no, no. I think, uh, TM was, uh, uh, in the first level, whereas the Foley's were on the floor. There I you do go. remember Bubba Ray <laughs> coming in at an impact taping and saying, you have your kids sitting next to Trina Michaels. Yeah. 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 I'm not going to differentiate, you know, like, uh, yeah. Yeah. So she's a, she's a really good person and a really a spectacular, there she is spectacular mom. And, uh, you know, and I'm sure there'll be a bunch of people like as we're talking simultaneously Googling her. And that's, uh, it's well, part of the maybe it. don't Google her at work. Uh, yeah, maybe don't do that. I'll be, I'm going to be quite honest. It took me a couple years before I even ventured to this. <laughs> just let me tell you this introduction is like, this is back in the days of MySpace. Remember the MySpace days? Oh yeah. Yeah, of course. So I had no idea how to actually get on the computer. So I would write things up and then have my son post them for me. And then I found out he was editing me. 
without telling me. And I had to have the talk, the how many New York Times number one bestsellers have you written? He's like, ah, it sounds better this way, Dad. He's like, let me just teach me. And I gave him the old uh, <laughs> biblical adage, uh, catch a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. I'm like, just teach me to fish. I can't let me get on here. So when I saw, uh, I got on MySpace for the first time, there were all these, you know, direct messages or whatever their equivalent was. And there's this message from this beautiful wrestling manager who says, hey, uh, you know, maybe someday we can work together. And I started looking through her stuff. It was only wrestling stuff. And I, I'm like, wow, you know, right back. Wow, you took a super kick in Mexico on Christmas Day. That shows a lot of dedication, and, you know. And so she was essentially my first <laughs> uh, MySpace friend. And then she said one day, like, she came from an entertainment background. And uh, you've been around me a while, uh, Uncle Conrad and uh, Mr. Grillo, right? Yeah. Uh, not very judgmental, right? I mean. Not at all. Not at all. But uh, I think uh, I'm, if I'm am judgmental, I'm less judgmental than most. And I thought, okay, it's probably a, you know um, exotic dancer, and I have no grudges against anybody in that field. And then she said, like, uh, I did it. She goes, I did a few films, and some of it was hardcore. So <laughs> next impact taping i asked a couple of the guys who i won't name but who i had reason to believe may have been adult connoisseurs right and one big star i said do you know she said that some some of it was hardcore and the person said some of it and i said well like what is she doing he said some of it <laughs> i said what he goes, some of it like practically yelling at me so curiosity got the better of me uh oh honestly I did not even know the things she did were physically possible. As they say in wrestling, she's a hell of a hand. <laughs> but a great, but a really good friend, a really good friend. And uh, she was at my Hall of Fame. Uh, getting back to the actual speech, I really did not think I would ever have the opportunity to address a crowd that size. I wish I'd kept it in the... 15 minute range. I think it went 42, but I, I don't think I ever got the heat that like uh, hillbilly Jim did because uh, I, I really felt good about it. I enjoyed it. I soaked it in. Like I said, I did not think I would ever be there, uh, address a crowd that size. And then there was that magic. I guess you could script, but we did not where I said it has not been a completely successful career. I never did pin Chris Jericho. And Jericho, next thing I know, he he rolls up onto the stage, you know, and that's a fairly high stage. It'll vault up a little bit. And I didn't know what to do. He lays down, and then you can actually hear me, I believe. If you listen closely, say, like, I'm all out of elbows, brother. Like, <laughs> I used to be fearless and all I could think of is oh, if I drop an elbow in my mind I was like it's gonna hurt for like two weeks right and then I saw uh punk on stage like hey, just things are going through my head so fast that I thought I didn't are they working together and it wasn't I mean Jericho believe it or not ended up doing uh the favor for uh Fandango uh, Fandango yeah 
Uh, and it shows you that, you know, Chris is made out of 100% Teflon, I think. Yes. <laughs> it didn't affect him at all. And I realized, okay, uh, you know, pain or no pain, if I don't drop some type of elbow, you know, I'm going to, I'm not going to be able to look myself in the mirror for the rest of my life. And I just, I said to Jericho, I think like whispered, I think you can hear it too. I said, you're going to take all the impact on this. And that's exactly what happened. Speaking of, yeah, look at that. Look at it. He looks like Morocco about to take the Superfly Splash. And not only is that a heck of a picture, but the fact that uh, Jericho and Punk both signed maybe 100 of those 11 by 14s. And we use those as incentives there. I can't remember which photo they both signed. We use those as incentives for the Santa movie. And I think it's safe to say, like, we barely squeaked over the line. This was a pre-GoFundMe um, Kickstarter where you had to meet the goal or else you got none of it. And we just barely squeaked over the line. And without those photos, which were by far and away the biggest uh, seller, uh, there would have been no I Am Santa movie. So I think that's just pretty cool. It's super cool. Um, the night of the announcement, when they announced that you're going to be joining the hall of fame, you're interrupted by the shield. Yes. Right I'm like, I had just, I just thought of a story I'm going to share with you in a minute. Okay. Uh, interrupted by the shield. And you see me like gingerly roll out underneath the bottom rope because I was on the, the no touch list. And also because I didn't want to lay a beating down on Roman that early in his career. Of course. Yeah. He may have never recovered. You want me to tell you about the the reaction from my my kids? Yes. I call up to tell them to watch Raw, and I don't want to ruin the surprise, but it's really important. Hey, you guys have it's Huey. So this is two thousand early two thousand and thirteen, ten years ago. So Huey's ten, and uh, I go, Huey, you have to watch Raw. He goes, Dad, I'm gonna flag you. <laughs> what he said i'm gonna flag you for saying something inappropriate on twitter so what he had read is i took a photo i did a, you know the, the the spoken word show in kansas city at a time you know, where my back was really giving me trouble so i was seated like on a bar stool so when a young lady came to take a photo like in the way the anatomy's lined up, like, you know, her boobs were only inches <laughs> from, my, from my facial features. And I saw, you know, back when I used to spend a lot of time on there, part of the reason, you know, I Grillo runs the account now because I realized, that, you know, I, I did not do Twitter well in moderation. But in this case, uh, someone answered this young lady's tweet and it was like, wow, your boobs are only a few inches from Mick Foley's face. And I do the quote tweet and I say, uh, looking closely, I was only inches away from those boobs. And I did the old get smart dot, 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 and loving it. And Huey threatened to flag me on what was supposed to be the biggest, one of the biggest nights of my career. And I was so forlorn when I walked out there for what was supposed to be a great moment. I was just dejected because my son wanted me to, had to flag me for being inappropriate. That's so amazing. <laughs> what a family. <laughs> um, 
Terry Funk almost immediately announced as the person to induct you. Uh, did you call Terry and ask him on the phone? How did that call go? Yeah, sure did. I mean, Terry still, he's not a text guy. He grudgingly, I guess, texted, but he, he's an old phone call guy. So I believe they called him up and he did. He gave such a great speech. He did. It was funny and it was poignant and it was relatively brief. And that's, uh, that is important. And, uh, you know, for anyone who's seen the 20 years of hell, uh, show that story is completely true that in all the times I'd seen those clips or the match in its, uh, uh, in its, in the entire match, I could tell that Undertaker and Terry shared words, but it was just said so casually that I never pondered what they were. So I never knew until Terry shared it with uh, the world. He, you know, he said, you know, he gets into the ring, Undertaker drops down with that broken ankle. He's hobbling noticeably. He says something to Terry. And when Terry shared it with the world, I'm standing behind that curtain. I'm like 10 feet away, you know, in the you know, most famous arena in the country. And, and man, chills just went down my spine as Terry relays the Undertaker said, see if he's alive. And so it look, and this is, you know, I'm talking about Hell in a Cell, but this is, you know, my Hall of Fame induction experience that uh, Terry actually went over and checked my pulse, replied to The Undertaker that he's still breathing. And it was at that point that Terry was choke slammed out of his shoes to buy me time. And when I came to like 42 seconds later, I had no idea what those shoes were doing in the ring. Guys, by now you've heard about Blue Chew on our program for a long time. Mick and I are big believers in Blue Chew, and we want you to try it. Sincerely, this isn't just for guys who have a <clears throat> problem. This is for guys who are trying to leave a lasting impression, for guys who want to enhance their experience. Think about it as PEDs for your PENIS. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredient as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime y'all day or night. So plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. And the process is simple guys. It's three steps. Number one, you sign up at bluechew.com. Number two, you'll consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, number three, you'll receive your prescription in just a few days. Bluetooth tablets are made here in the USA. They're prepared to ship directly to your door. And by the way, it's in a discreet package. So don't worry about the mailman knowing your business. Okay. The best part, it's all done online. That means you get to skip the awkward conversations. You don't even have to go to the doctor's office. There's no waiting in line at the pharmacy. It doesn't get any easier than this. And I've never recommended blue chew to someone. And they came back and said, oh, it didn't work. Everybody's like, Hey man, uh, thanks for the pro tip. So if you can benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, chew it and do it y'all. Let's have some better sex. Shall we? Well, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free and use our promo code Foley at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is Foley to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. We thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. I don't think I'll ever get tired of hearing that story. I can't imagine waking up, seeing shoes and wondering what the hell happened. And you've been throwing so, so Grillo's just pulling these photos up. This guy's like a magician. He is. He's on it. Go check us out. If you haven't already over on YouTube, Foley on youtube.com. So listen, you call up Terry, you ask him on the phone. 
Mm-hmm. I'm assuming he's in right away. What was the response like? He was in, brother. He he was in. He was glad to do it. I thought he did a great job. And I just, like I said, I felt so fortunate, you know, that no one was, I wasn't told. Uh, like, for example, Jerry Lawler. You know, Jerry's been in the ring with some of the all-time greats. And Jerry is one of the all-time greats. And I'm sure if he had the choice. Was it Shatner who inducted him? Or did yes. he induct Shatner? Um, one or the other. Um, and by the way, was that Jerry, when he, when they showed him talking about Andy Kaufman, that's Jerry now, right? I believe so, yes. So he is doing so much better than I feared he might be because I hadn't heard any progress reports, which I took to be a bad sign. Uh, but when I heard him talking and he, you know, looked and sounded like the Lawler Lawler man, I was really relieved, really relieved. Because otherwise, if he had been 100%, he would have been doing that induction, I'm almost certain. He's going to be back at Adam sooner rather than later, I'm sure. That's good to know. That's really good to know. So listen, it's a big deal to go in when you go in. What a class. Booker T, Bob Backlund, Trish Stratus, Donald Trump, and most importantly, Bruno Sammartino. Yeah. Uh, now this is before Donald Trump was the controversial figure he is today, right. but he was, uh, you know, a, a big figure historically in New York. And so right. was Bob Backlund, man. I mean, sort of the precursor for Hulk Hogan, but before there was a Hulk Hogan selling out Madison square garden, it was Bruno San Martino. What a group to go in with, man. And now a little Huey Foley, Bruno story. Uh, Huey brings me his Bruno action figure. It's still in the case. And he says, uh, dad, can you get Bruno San Martino to sign this? I said, buddy, I had no idea you were a fan. He said, uh, I'm not, but he's old and he's probably going to die soon. This will be worth a lot of money. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I mean, listen, he's not, it's not a lie, but goodness gracious. I, I, yeah, I know. I know. I never, I could not bring myself. I don't, maybe, I, maybe I did. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I, the one thing he cannot deal away is the uh, signed Sylvester Stallone shamrock meets robe that was given to me by my friends at Ringside Collectibles. That one is not negotiable. Stays with us, or maybe makes a nice gift for Becky Lynch, who's a super Balboa fan. Oh yeah. So, um, you know, I think most of the time when you see this list, you think. Well, Foley's the headliner. Nope. <laughs> it was to me at least, but this is the first time Bruno had done anything with the company in forever. I know. And look so- at Bruno's physique. For those of you who watched the show, I first saw this photo at the uh, neurosurgeon in Pittsburgh. And I see you know, Bruno was uh, a patient. And I was like, it looks like they glued an 80-year-old man's head on the body of like a natural bodybuilding competitor. He look he looks phenomenal. And in case anyone wants to know if there was any uh, back and forth or what the uh, any words exchanged with me and the future uh, president, uh, when I walked through the uh, curtain, gorilla position, Undertaker was there. He sits there with Vince. He had this leather duster on, you know, like the ankle length thing. And he stood up and man, Undertaker's not a hugger by nature. And it was just like that 
really good where you don't even care if anybody starts whispering it, you know, locking it in and holding it on for so long. Uh, because uh, some of that speech had been about Undertaker. And then when I walked through there was uh, Mr. Trump with his, I think, two or three children. He was, uh, there was an excellent, no, I, I just sounded like Flair. God, I can't even do a Trump invitation. Uh, he said it was an excellent speech. I said, well, thank you, Mr. Trump. And his kids nodded, and that was the only interaction I've ever had with him. So, uh, Bruno, he's the headliner. Listen, we, uh, we don't talk about it a lot, but listen, in order to put yourself in this professional wrestling business and be a public person and strive to be the best and, to have that quest for the world championship and to be a top guy, man, let's just be honest. You can't help, but along the way develop maybe a healthy sense of an ego. Mm-hmm. Is it a, is it a, a shot to the ego when you're not the hall of fame main eventer? You're no, not no, it's not because, um, a couple of things don't name me to get all DDP on you here, but, uh, you don't let other people define for you what, uh, being a success is. There you go. And I wouldn't do that in my wrestling career based on where I wrestled in the card. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, WrestleMania moments are not just confined to wrestling. They're expanded to life moments as well. And we get to pick out what our own WrestleMania moments are. So, for example, in wrestling, you know, I had my WrestleMania moment with Edge in 2000, uh, 2006. And not one person would say that we were billed as the main event. But a lot of people walked away thinking that we had the best match on the show. And uh, I, first of all, I was glad to be on early because again, there was the, uh, the risk of my son, Mickey, not being able to hang in there for more than uh, 90 minutes or two hours. And if I had gone on when Bruno went on, I probably would have looked out and seen none of my family members there. And I also remember what Rick, uh, Willie Nelson said in regards to going on first, he said, nothing wrong with that. You get home earlier. The only regret I have on that whole night is that I had no, I had no prompter. I had no cards. I just had five names written. I had a name written on each finger. I think of my right hand. I just wanted, I, and I did go off and then started mentioning, uh, you know, plenty of people outside of that. But the idea was Snuka, Danucci, Shane Douglas, Undertaker, my wife. And uh, after I finish, I'm feeling pretty good. I got a pretty good like performers <laughs> rush going on. You've heard this story, right? Yeah, last year after Undertaker's Hall of Fame. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Because people are like, well, "Aren't you hot about it?" And I'll, I'll explain why I wasn't hot. Because you're about to find out for yourself. Is I I look on the monitor, <laughs> and Booker is giving a speech, and he's looking out at Charmel, and he says, "Baby." I'd say I do a thousand times a day. You're the most important thing in the world to me. I love you. And I look at my thumb and it says Colette. And I was like, I forgot to mention my wife. So yeah, we we uh, dismissed that idea of there being any heat with me and The Undertaker right away based on the fact that if I can't remember to say my wife's name, <laughs> You gotta, you gotta cut the dead man a little slack as well. (laughs) 
Well said. Well said. Um, in the run up to the event, you tweeted, I'm in a much better frame of mind after watching my new DVD with my kids. I have so much to be proud of. No way I'll give fans anything less than the best possible speech I can. Uh, if the powers that be decide not to air my speech on television, I'll accept that it was simply a decision that was beyond my control and do everything I can through the passion for my profession to make that decision look as glaringly stupid as possible. Ooh. Yeah. So and it's, I don't, you know, even if it was, I don't, couldn't tell you now whether it was live or whether it was not, but I think it's safe to say, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people have seen, if not yes. the whole thing, then clips of it. And, uh, and that I think even though it was lengthy, that it was really well received. And again, I, I just encourage everyone out there, uh, and please, if you've got an attorney, uh, just get to appeal to DDP, not to sue me for infringing on his positivity territory, but, uh, don't let other people define what being a success is. You do get to define that for yourself, and that includes being in the Hall of Fame, because as proud as I am to be in there, I will tell people who base the importance of their career almost solely on whether or not they're inducted. I try to talk, Leon White was the guy, I just couldn't, my words just wouldn't sink in. Every conversation I had with him would revolve around the Hall of Fame. And, uh, man, and this is, I'm not drawing a parallel to the circumstances surrounding the discussions I had when I was a RAIN volunteer, but I was an online volunteer, so I didn't speak to people. I was online by that time. I, you know, learned, I made a lot of typos, but I got my points across. And when you were speaking to self-harmers, Yes. The most frustrating thing was no matter how much you tried to help them, it would always come around in a circle back to uh, the self-harming being the answer, uh, at least a temporary solution to the emotional pain they felt. And again, I'm not making light of those people going through a terrible ordeal. I'm just trying to say that Leon was in the same way that this, it would come around in a circle. And no matter how much I tried to make him see that he'd had a career like no other and that he did not need a Hall of Fame that is both real and fictional at the same time, if you know what I mean. Yes. And then Leon would, would it'd be almost like he would go in one year and out the other. He's like, I need to be in that Hall of Fame, Jack. And uh, I mean, in that case, I did mention to Mr. McMahon, you know, we know he's going to be in sooner or later. I think it should be sooner. I don't think he's going to be around too long. And he wasn't at that point. He had told me he had two years left to live. And I think he lived 22 months. You know, listen, you, you brought up a great subject because we've seen some, uh, maybe more hardened veterans who have a different approach and a different attitude about the hall of fame. And they say, oh, it's an X number of dollar payday. And it's a, it's a, it's a class ring. Like you get in high school and, or it's a little silly plaque. They really diminish it, but I've heard some of those same people who had that attitude man, when they stand up there on that podium and, and they realize they're surrounded by their mm -hmm. peers and fans, man, like this, the sense sort of washes over them. Did you ever have the, 
the negative attitude? And how did you feel when you looked out on that crowd? No, no, I discussed, you know, the negativity I felt before, a couple days leading up to it. First of all, prior to that kind of revelation and promise I made to myself in that uh, movie, uh, cinema room, whatever you call it, at the, at the condo, um, I, you know what, I, I was like, I don't need the, to be inducted because the fans and my colleagues, especially, you know, when I would go back to WWE, the uh, superstars of that era treated me so well with so much respect. And the fans did too, that it was like every day I felt like I was in the Hall of Fame. Um, so I would have been okay if I wasn't inducted. And plus I had the, you know, the Cauliflower Alley and uh, I think uh, the National Wrestling, you know, I, I was already in a few of them. WWE still, that's yeah. the one you want to be in. It's still the one you want to be in. Um, but I was, no, I enjoyed every moment of it. And I just want to, speaking about uh, people feeling like they need that certification to make their career worthwhile, I'm just so, I'm really glad that after WWE honored uh, Connor the Crusher, that they moved to honoring different type of situations with the warrior award uh i think uh was it uh robin roberts breast cancer survivor uh the young man who was a rutgers football player was paralyzed uh that amazing kid who tore the house down who had the uh the kidney replacement and like and this year was timmy white because for a few years i had people reaching out to me who had lost children wondering what they had to do to get their kid in the hall of fame. And it was like, Oh, you can't make this hall of fame. You can't make the value of your child's life dependent on whether or not they are entered into a large, somewhat fictional hall of fame. So I just, man, that was heartbreaking to, you know, to, because, once once parents saw Connor in there, they thought that's the ultimate way to honor my child to have this induction. And uh, so I'm glad WWE moved away. Um, Connor was amazing and Daniel Bryan gave that great speech. Um, but I'm glad they moved away from simply honoring, you know, uh, amazing children posthumously. Let's talk a little bit about, um, your speeches that night. You know, there's been a lot written about this, you know, do they, uh, the, the production team, the writing staff, whoever, a producer come along and say, you've got X number of minutes and this guy's going to help you with your speech. What's that process like? I cannot speak for what it's been like in the last 10 years. I just know that he's killing me that I can't remember the guy. He was such a great writer too, but he looked like an elf. He even had the pointed ears and he was about, you know, about five, one would have made a dynamite elf. Uh, and he didn't mind he's a lot, you know, it's not a bad thing. I guess, uh, um, <laughs> miles Finch thought it was a bad thing <laughs> to be called an elf. 
a heck of a drop kick on Miles Finch too, by the way. And and uh, a nice, I believe that was a judo throw of some type uh, exercise done, <laughs> buddy. Um, <laughs> but we sat down and I just ran, I just verbally told him some things I wanted to say. Bruno was in the little restaurant having dinner with Dominic Nucci and someone else. And I went over to Bruno and I said, do you mind if I mention uh, what an honor, you know, Bruno Sammartino. And I had the exact number of days he held the title for. <laughs> it was something incredible, you know, 2000, you know, 120. And Bob Backlund held it for five years. So that was like 1,572 and me, 41, you know, like, and Bruno, he, he popped big on it. And I was like, okay, we're okay there. But Vince uh, walked by, he said, just enjoy yourselves. There's no time limit. The only thing he asked was not that we not thank him. And I can only tell you that I did not have to submit a speech, uh, the Stacy Keebler induction, and I didn't have any cards. I had nothing. I just wanted to just hit a few few key points. With the main one being what we spoke about earlier that I knew from experience what an amazing night this is. I talked about the last time I saw her at the uh, the Jets game. I should have gotten a photo to them so they could have put it up there. And I just wanted to emphasize the importance of the occasion that I knew it because I'd been there and that it meant so much to me to be part of Stacy's night. So in my case, ah, look at that. Great photo. <laughs> Uh, can I tell this? I swear to you, I'm not exaggerating. Coast to coast flight. Uh, it's a red, it's a red eye, right? This is say say 2002. I don't know, probably 2001, 2002 after she joined, and uh, she says to me, "Mick, would you mind if I asked uh, the person next to you to switch seats for me so we can talk on the flight?" And I'm like, yeah, absolutely, and Conrad. I witnessed Stacy Keebler eat an entire tuna fish sandwich. Wow. When she spoke to me, it was like she'd just eaten a full pack of double mint gum. It was the most amazing thing, sensory experience. It was just like everything about her was just, ah, man, just a wonderful. Look, there's the Jets thing. Look at that smile. This was right before she, uh, Dancing with the Stars, premiered, which obviously changed her life. And uh, man, sometimes good things really do happen to good people. And uh, she's one of the best in my book. No doubt. And your speech was one of the best. You uh, yeah. made a great point during your speech. You said something like, I'm not sure how the class of 2014 will follow this class. <laughs> Bruno Backlund and myself have held the WWE title for a total of 6,225 days. Bruno was the WWE champ. For 4,040 days, <laughs> Bob Backlund was the WWE champ for 2,138 days. I, myself, Mick Foley, <clears throat> 47 days. <laughs> because Bruno had not only the seven year run, but he followed it up with like another, like a four year run. Uh, yeah, I don't, that was uh, to me. I mean, maybe I'm biased, but I think that that was. Uh, I, I, you know, if someone has followed me, they know I'm not a big fan of the former president, but, uh, he's still the former president. He's in our hall of fame. 
I argue that he should have been out of there, you know. But anyway, anyway, to, uh, I'm not going to go there. Um, but it was a great class. Uh, I don't know if you can ever have another class quite that good. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the end of your speech because you know you mentioned that you've got the the whole Chris Jericho run in, and then afterwards. You give a shout out to the lovely Mrs. Foley. Yo, Adrian, I did it. Oh, I did. Okay. Okay. I did say that. And then, uh, Santa came. Well, this was, this is one of my favorite. I won't, I won't perform the story, but I did have a meeting with Mr. McMahon a couple weeks before the Hall of Fame, in which I mentioned I'd never had any kind of special entrance or exit. And Vince was, not only eating a protein bar, but he was reading the ingredients. And I knew like this is where I no longer have the sway that I once did reading the ingredients. Well, I try to make a point. And uh, when I said, okay, okay, get to your point. I said, uh, um, I'd like to fly into the sky on a sleigh with Santa Claus. <laughs> Max, to tell you the truth, I don't think we know how to do that. And I do a fictitious account. Uh, I did, you know, in past shows uh, where I do an imaginary conversation where I fire up against Mr. McMahon. And uh, it, was, it was my favorite story of my, I think, my 2013 tour. Uh, and, uh, man, I beg people, the next time I do one of these things, one of these one-man uh, tours, in uh, 2025, beg fans to ask me about it during the Q&As. I, I love telling that story live. Uh, so I didn't get to fly into the sky, but I did have Santa come in and walk me off. And that made a perfect ending to the documentary. And so that was a really, it was a really cool moment. And even though I'm known as this, ah, look at, <laughs> look at Renee. Oh man, Renee was really, she was new in the company at that point. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, that it looks more like a granny jacket because of the fur, but I thought the flannel Santa suit was something special. And, uh, that may have been the first or second time I talked to Renee and liked her immediately. And I was just on a real good, I was on a real good natural high. And, uh, I had reserved the basement of Foley's, <laughs> the Foley's uh restaurant and bar just a couple of uh my just a couple blocks from the garden and so we had a little after party and uh, you know all of my guests were there and uh brendan burns was there as well great australian comic a few other people maybe 20 people in all but it was just really nice to you know have that time to enjoy it that's part of the challenge you know of being on the road with wwe is that you don't often really get to enjoy those special moments for very long because the next day you're on the road again. And the day after mania, I mean, I remember lying in bed in Chicago at the day after I'd done my uh, match with Edge in 2006, and I could barely move. And I think I even called up and got the room for like at least one more day because I was having so much trouble getting around. And Edge actually wrestled that night. Wow. So it's so hard to enjoy it be when you peaked emotionally and then you have to go out there again the next night and do it all over again so like i said it's really it's it's not rare rare but it's it 
not very common that you get to really enjoy those big moments. But that night I did. You've mentioned before that there was uh, an incident going back all the way to 1996 that made you think, I'm not going to bring my family, specifically Mrs. Foley, around. Yeah. Uh, but they were at your Hall of Fame induction. And yeah. we saw them in the photos. Uh, they were at the, 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 the Hall of Fame ceremony this last year. Yeah. Yeah, with Stacy. When was... When was Mrs. Foley comfortable coming back or were you comfortable reintroducing him? Was this her first time back? No, no. 2008, she was at the uh, Royal Rumble at the garden. We even rented a limo. <laughs> so I had all the kids. And that was a trip for me because uh, Big Daddy V spent quite a bit of time sitting on my head when I was in the corner. Uh, and I knew where my kids were sitting. It was like section 110. Like I knew where it was. So I was able to look out at my family and my son, Mickey, was his thumb down. He was booing me, which is just tremendous, right? If you're a dad, like that's such a great, great moment as a dad. See your own kid. Boo you. Yeah. <laughs> Booing you. So I think by 2008, uh, and I, I look, I'm, I, I know Colette had been with me a few times here and there at Hershey. Um, but they, they were few and far between, uh, 2000, uh, I think by 2008, I, uh, we'd gotten over that disdain, you know, I think by then we were okay. Well, I'm glad to hear it. I, I, I want to ask, you know, uh, as far as modern present day, I feel like we should talk about that for a moment. Did you see Vince at the hall of fame? I did not. I did not see him. I heard he was there at, uh, in the next night of Mania. Uh, I'm not sure if he was there or not, um, but I did not have a chance to see him. Uh, mustache game strong, real strong. I, would, like, <laughs> I, I mean, listen, I, I think uh, internally there are some friends of ours who think he looks like Mr. Gomez from the Adams family. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> And he looked like uh, he'd had a little of the, 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 the dye put in the hair. Maybe uh, a little, you think? As I look at that, oh, Conrad, I am so grateful that I took a chance <laughs> like four years ago. Took the chance that wrestling fans would accept that a man in his 50s would no longer have jet black <laughs> facial hair. And I, I, you know, I'm part of that clear system, you know, that gets you through the airports a little quicker. Yep. And I'm so embarrassed every time I do the thing and I look at the deal with my eyes and up pops a photo of a man in his 50s with that ridiculous black beard. And I'm like, what was I thinking? Who did I think I was fooling? So I'm trying to age, uh, you know, fairly gracefully here. I kind of yeah, touch gray. It, it, it makes me look scholarly, right? Listen, I like it. I like the gray. I say you keep the gray. Uh, there's Mr. Uh, Mr. McMahon calling right there. Just to get your advice. About the it's new not, money. but it's uh, Dick Flanagan, a uh, Danucci graduate who was one part of the Heartbreakers, along with Dante Danucci, uh, who uh, also known as Mark Keenan, who successfully promoted a bunch of ECW shows back in the day. Well, okay. How about that? So listen, we got to address the elephant in the room. There's uh, lots of things happening this past weekend. We should start 
maybe at the beginning, we'll call it the beginning. We, uh, we heard lots of speculation, lots of rumor. We'll see him punk be coming back. Will he not? It was the talk of uh, wrestling for about two weeks leading into WrestleMania. You and I are having a chance to sit and discuss it really for the first time. Yeah. With all the new developments, maybe there was some drama stirred up by Dave Meltzer accidentally. What, uh, what'd you make of this? Do you think we'll see CM Punk back in AEW? AEW or WWE? Either one. I don't, you know, we talked about this a little bit, uh, a few months ago when the uh, defecation hit the rotating oscillator, uh, in AEW at the press conference. And I just mentioned that you gotta be happy at a certain point. Like you have to strive, like just because you're reaching for the brass ring. We do, we've gone over what the brass ring actually yes. is, right? Yes. Yes. It, is, it is an old time carousel mechanical arm that comes out with a holding a brass ring. So you reach out and, uh, you know, best case scenario, you get four or five brass rings. Uh, worst case scenario, fall off your herb horse and suffer serious injury, which is why they are few and far between. But since we're going with the a theme park or amusement park scenario, uh, the secret, I think, to life, at least wrestling, at least secret to enjoying your life in wrestling is to reach for that brass ring, but also once in a while, be willing to stop and smell the roses. And so I hope if Punk comes back that he just finds a way to be content. This guy's had an amazing career. He was a great champion for WWE. You know, we could argue whether or not he was a needle mover, but I can tell you that he delivered very good to great matches on a regular basis, like on an almost nightly basis when he was in considerable pain. And I think he was well compensated. And I just hope if he does come back that he appreciates it and enjoys it. Well, of course, as soon as that was over, uh, or it feels like it fizzled out, that conversation died down quite a bit with all the festivities for WrestleMania. Lots of people were wondering what would or wouldn't happen before we got to Saturday's WrestleMania. We saw NXT crown a new champion, Braun breaker, who has been the man in NXT mm -hmm. for a long time. Rick Steiner's son goes down at the hands of Carmelo Hayes. And, uh, it's, it's Hayes time. Now he's going to be the, uh, the ringleader for NXT. Do you assume that means Brian is going to be moving to the main roster? I think a lot of people thought they would have seen him on Monday night raw, but it didn't happen. That would be my guess. Unless they think he needs a little more seasoning. Uh, it's one thing to work as a champion, but I think to be as well-rounded as possible, you should have, uh, quite a bit of experience without that title. And I do know, and listen, I, you know, I've been pretty open on our show saying that I don't watch as much wrestling as I used to. I always love it, but I think my kids are not as into it as they were. And I always watch with them. It was great family time as it is for, sure. you know, so many kids uh, around the world. Um, but I remember my son, Dewey, who was one of the lead writers for uh, uh, NXT. He really, he really loved uh, working with Carmelo thought you know thought he was going to be a huge star and i remember him saying the same thing about damian priest and that you know obviously has turned out to be true so uh 
Uh, Dewey Foley's got a pretty good track record with these predictions, so I will say that, uh, yeah, Carmelo, Carmelo Hayes, uh, he is a five-tool player. Of course, we also saw some other controversy, I guess, on Saturday. Uh, the news came out that there was maybe an incident at WrestleCon. You spent the entire weekend at WrestleCon. You did... <laughs> Yeah. A little comedy show. You did a little WrestleMania. What well, do the comedy show? I was interviewed by uh, by uh, Colt Cabana, uh, so we did a little Q and A. Told a couple of little stories. So I didn't actually do like a show, but yeah, I was. Oh man, from Thursday through su- Sunday, even yesterday. Yeah, they're my ladies. Uh, man, I love them both, and uh, this experience of most wanted treasures has really solidified that friendship with Lita. That's been a great, great experience. Um, and I, I worked really hard. I did hear about the issue. You're talking about the Steiner thing. Well, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of chatter coming out of that, but I wanted to know, you know, let's talk about some positive things that happened at WrestleCon too, not just negative. Okay. You have anything in mind? Well, you were there. I was hoping you could give me some positive. I only well, heard. Look, I mean, the, the saddest thing. Well, I mean, this is not diminishing, you know, Rick Steiner going out of his way to make one of the other guests feel really bad, uh, which is really unfortunate. There's still some backwards thinking. And even if someone has an opinion, you know, no need to hurt somebody like that. And it was just unnecessary. no, No, yeah, completely unnecessary. But the saddest thing is that uh, the table next to mine was supposed to be the Bushwhackers. Oh. And uh, Luke told me on Friday that uh, Butch had made it, but that he didn't go to the ICU. And I only found out last night when I was uh, getting ready uh, for my red-eye flight that uh, Butch had passed away. So that was that was the saddest thing about Mania, about uh, WrestleCon. But I, uh, man, I, 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 look, these, the conventions are not for everyone. Um, some people really find them exhausting. Some people get through them because they can be, you know, pretty rewarding financially. Uh, I can tell you, I, most of the time I legitimately love it. And if I'm having an off day, I do my very best to appear to be loving it. Because I think that's the last we can do. The least we can do for our fans is make them feel like, the time that they spent in line and the money they spent is was a good investment. So I do my very best to make sure to exceed expectations. And uh, I felt really good about all my interactions um, at WrestleCon. I want to encourage everyone listening to this. Go out of your way to go to WrestleCon. I know that there may have been some headlines this past weekend, but that doesn't mean that it's not a fun space, a safe space. Like if you're a wrestling fan, you're going to have a blast at WrestleCon. Oh yeah. Yeah. WWE access is amazing too, but it's more tightly structured. Uh, guys, the the superstars, and I respect the idea of having only having the superstars out there for two hours. You don't WWE make sure that no WWE superstar, no matter what position on their card is ever caught in a lonely Virgil for, Yes, and the truth is, no matter how big a star, well, I, I guess there are exceptions, but I've certainly been in that situation. And anyone who's worked three <laughs> seven-hour days is going to be in a situation where there's no one at their table. 
And that's where, like, uh, you know, I try, instead of going to my phone, I try to work on my handwriting and try to be constructive and uh, try to be ready for the next person who comes. But I was lucky that I was, I can honestly say, I don't think I was in a situation where more than a couple minutes passed without somebody there. So I had a great time. I uh, turned a, rented a house on the beach with my family for a few days preceding it. Had uh, uh, my wife and uh, Noelle and Mickey with me, and then Noelle's got the sensory issues. So on Sunday, uh, she came to my hotel and we watched it on Peacock. And it was, a, you know, if you can make money and be with the people you love, that's, uh, that's, that's a win. Yeah, it's a win-win. And it's a win-win for the fans, you know, some of them, you know, you, you have to prioritize who you want to meet. It is an expensive proposition, you know, if you're going to get more than seven or eight uh, meet and greets, but there's always a Medusa had a movie premiere there. It's cool to just walk around and see everybody. And it's a, it's a pretty cool, yeah, I really, I, I enjoy myself there. Check it out. WrestleCon coming your way next year. And of course, what everybody's already talking about is next year because the WWE has, uh, undergone some changes. You and I have been <laughs> talking for a few weeks that we weren't exactly sure what to expect with, uh, with Cody Rhodes in the main event. Now we know, yeah. we also know that, that Sammy and Kevin did get to go on last, uh, and, and, and the tag titles were on last on Saturday night. We also know that. Ray Mysterio has taught Dominic a lesson. And I think Rhea and Ashley may have stole the show on Saturday. What was your impression of uh, night one of WrestleMania? Yeah. I mean, everyone, people went home happy. And that's really important. You know, the Sunday night, not quite as jovial when they left. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hold Triple H to his word that, uh, you know, they're just in the, you know, Book's not finished. You know, there are more chapters to write. Seems to me like uh, that title change would have been a heck of an ending and a great way to end Mania, but uh, I'll reserve judgment until I see how the story concludes. But uh, I didn't get to see everything on night one, but, man, the stuff with Ray and Dominic was so explosive. Uh, I love the Rhea Ripley win. You know, I've been a... a, a yeah, I've been something of a... a An advocate. A, advocate for her since the first since I saw her at uh, Royal Rumble and uh, that's only going to strengthen uh, Judgment Day which is a great faction um, and I just overall I think things were uh, were really good I really enjoyed the show as well it was a hell of an arena a great experience but I think people are going to be talking about that main event for a long time but it feels like the next morning, no one was talking about it. Everyone's talking about WWE and the new merger and acquisition or whatever you want to call it. Somehow, some way endeavor is putting UFC and WWE together, which is just, I don't know. I never would have called it a few years ago. I'm glad to see it's happening. I think that everyone who's a fan of either one can see some synergies and how they could create some efficiencies. I do hope this doesn't lead to layoffs as it has in the past yeah. and that sort of thing. But what do you expect with this whole new version of WWE? It feels like the mega powers of corporate mergers, right? It does. 
UFC and WWE. Look, I, I would read in the newsletters that there was not a big crossover, but anytime I attended an event, I could tell you firsthand that was not the case. There's a big crossover. Uh, and I, now I say every time, I've been to five, probably five uh, UFC events, but every time that I have gone, I've been well received by the fans and the, the fighters alike. And, and even... Um, Dana White has always been really cordial. People really, really treat me really good when I'm there. So I'm I'm happy. I, I you know when I say I didn't want the Saudis to buy it. Uh, it look, if Saudis had bought it, is there a doubt in anyone's mind that MBS would be champion within a month, right? <laughs> And when the guy cuts a promo and says he's going to kill you, like, wow, he's literally going to kill you. Uh, you know, so I'm happy that Endeavor bought it. I mean, if it, uh, it seems strange that it's not a family business because it's something, you know, Mr. McMahon, he didn't build it from the ground up in that he, uh, you know, inherited it in a way from his dad, but clearly he went in a much different direction. So in a sense, it was... It was, you know, it was, it was hard work, and uh, you know that work ethic, the midman work ethic, made WWE what it is today. And I guess they sold for a great price. I hear there's some big bonuses going around, and uh, and I do believe Triple H when he says like we ain't going nowhere. Like I don't expect the in-ring product to change. Maybe there'll be some turnover. I guess that's inevitable. I think if you're worth, what's the total valuation? Twenty-one billion. Yeah, they said WWE got nine point three billion, the biggest deal of Vince's life. Woo! Oh, that was a terrible woo. Um, yeah, uh, man, it doesn't seem like they should have to lay off too many people at that kind of valuation. But I'm happy. I, you know, Cody made the point of. He's saying in the ring that uh, his going elsewhere had led to two locker rooms making out better than they would have. And there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, people who, when I say marginal, I don't mean their skills were marginal, but as far as, you know, their place in the card and the company may have been marginal, we're pulling in mid six figures because Vince didn't want them going anywhere else. So, you know, the, that rising tide, it really did lift all ships. And, uh, I mean, I'm, uh, Conrad, I'm doing pretty well. I've had a couple of good years post pandemic, but I'm on the road, like 250 days to more than the roster is now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would say I put way more miles on, uh, for, you know, flying miles and driving miles than almost all the roster, just because the, uh, most wanted treasures has gone all around the country with no allegedly line. allegedly oh yeah no nah, i think they've got the teasers out there the commercials okay. Okay. at this point i think it's safe to say that uh you yeah, spill the I, beans. Am, I am one of the uh field agents uh lita and i in the field booker manning the home fires and we feel like we have a heck of a show on way listen Conrad, I have to wake, make way for my brother, my older brother, who has gratefully ceded uh, the office space here in what used to be my own private uh, bedroom. But may I uh, plug a couple of upcoming uh, conventions? 
by all means, where can we see Mick Foley in 2023? Uh, the, um, is it squared circle expo? That's this exactly coming, right. Come on. This coming Friday and Saturday in Indianapolis. And that's a stack card. There's a lot of great talent there. Um, and I think you mean today and tomorrow, right? Mick? Oh, 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 yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. today and tomorrow. <laughs> and then uh, the following week, uh, I'm in your neck of the woods, right there in Huntsville, Alabama. So we'll be back to doing the shows live. We'll do a couple episodes uh, the day before the con, a couple episodes the day after the con. So those are the two to really look forward to. Indianapolis and Huntsville, just check out my website, realmcfoley.com. And of course, cameos are always available at cameo.com slash mcfoley and uh, at this point i believe i'm all out of words conrad next week we're going to be talking about another milestone another achievement your win of the tna world championship at lockdown over sting in 2009 all this and more next week right here on foley is pod yeah Hey guys, Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Need to call a timeout real quick here. I wanted to tell your listeners what I've been telling my world listeners for a while now. It's about all the incredible things happening over on adfreeshows.com. The wait is over, as an all-new Conversations with Conrad is finally here. He created the soundtrack to so many of our childhood memories, with iconic themes like The Undertaker, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Ultimate Warrior, and many more. The legendary Jim Johnson sits down with Conrad for a two-hour career retrospective. Available now only on adfreeshows.com. Literally started, I was watching some tape of the guy, and I just started doing this to the kind of what I felt like was the tempo of him running. And then I recorded that. And then just over that, you're just doing... You know, it's so simple, but that's what felt like him. Hey, that's just a small taste of what Ad-Free Shows has waiting for you, including a brand new perk, getting to join in on the live recordings of the shows with four levels to choose from. See for yourself why Ad-Free Shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adfreeshows.com. That's right. Sign up today at adfreeshows.com.